0: I'm looking now. Tap, 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 tap. Stop tapping. It's okay if you say that loud. It takes away the the, the crime.
1: and welcome to the Rock Paper Shotgun Electronic Wireless Show. It is episode 42. I am Brendan Caldwell. I am joined this week by Alec Mir. Boy. I mean, hello. And John Walker. What did you want, boy? <laughs> right, we're off to, I said that I would shut down any <laughs>
2: discussion about God of War. You mentioned it, Brendy. We didn't mention anything. We were just, uh, you both just... just talking about boys. That's all. Totally innocent. Nothing to do with PlayStation games whatsoever.
1: Quiet boy, you are weak. Straight out of the gates, throwing your God of War references about like they were nothing.
0: I can only do my good Mister God of War voice in the evening. I can't do it in the morning. <laughs> can we record in about six hours' time while well, I have access to uh, to Krakoff or whatever? Isn't it Krakoff? That's his name. Krakonoff <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, you, yeah, no. Good. Uh, this week, our podcast is about robots, because that is just what we're doing. Uh, there is kind of a tangential reason why we're covering robots, but we'll get to that later, whenever we discuss what we've been playing. Right now, we're just going to talk about some of the... The best robots in video games or the robots that we've liked. And some of the worst robots that we thought were rubbish.
3: Yeah. Mmm.
1: John. Hello. What's what's a good robot? Give me some good give me some good robot examples.
0: Okay. I pick uh Joseph. That's my first one. Who's Joseph? From off of Machinarium. Ah. ah. See. I found out his name just so I could be smugged then. <laughs>
2: Do you think anyone outside of the developers have ever called him Joseph as opposed to the robot from The robot from
0: off of Machinarium, which is his real name. That's what's actually on his
2: passport.
0: (laughs) He's a lovely little robot. He's gorgeous. I've realised that I like cute robots. That's what I've discovered.
1: But you've just got a
2: list of cute robots.
0: A list of two and a half cute robots.
2: Is he he actually robot-y or is he a cute thing that happens to look like a robot? Is this a ringer?
0: He is a robot living in a robot world with other robots.
1: He's
2: definitely a robot,
1: is yeah.
0: He undoubtedly a robot. He has a tin head, what can open up at funny angles. There's no question that he's a robot.
2: Does he understand this human thing called love? He does, that's what the game... Have
0: you not played Machinarium? <laughs> Good grief, hang up and play right now. I
2: have done, I just can't... That was about the time my kid was born, so I, I can remember no, nothing. No, okay, fair I can enough. remember Listen, nothing. You
0: get a six-month window of just blank. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's he's all about loving a lady robot.
2: So he's not a robot then. If he understands this human feeling called love, he's, he's not a robot. Wow. These, these are red lines.
1: Is <laughs> the other robot that he hangs about with a lady robot? I thought it was just like a friend robot.
0: Is it? I, I'm pretty sure it, I, I anthropomorphize to, to be female. Maybe I'm just <laughs> heteronormatively interpreting my video games like a big old git. Yeah, I
1: thought it was like a body bot, like a Teal of Friendship, but maybe I've read it completely wrong, and actually those robots I think were... it was all
0: about heavy robot sex. That's what I saw Machinarium is about. Oh, no. John
2: writes Machinarium Slashfic, basically, is the admission to take from it.
0: <laughs> Slashinarium, I call it.
2: At, um, at GDC, I asked the uh, developers of
1: Machinarium who would win in a fight between Churchill and uh, the robot from Machinarium, and they said Churchill... I think you'll find it's called cool Chosey. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. They didn't correct me on that point. I just <laughs> said the robot.
0: Did they correct um, you on the pronunciation of Chuchul?
1: Yes, they to- They told me um, how it was pronounced. They said, it, "Well, they said in Czech they would say Kukel."
0: That was my guess. I am the winner. I said Chuchul all the time, but I was having this argument with people at GDC, and I guessed it would be. And this is how I choose to pronounce it.
1: Kukel. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like there's a, a there in there somewhere, but, <laughs> but, um, but they did say that that's not how they've marketed it. <laughs> they've they've gone with Chuchel because it's easier. Fair enough. But he would definitely beat up your robot.
0: Well, he's more, de- he's certainly more doggedly determined.
1: Um, so cute robot, one for John. Cute robot. Let's let's go over to Alec. I'm just gonna swap back and forth. Let's go over to Alec. Have you got a
2: counter to this cute robot? Uh, It's a little bit cute, but a different kind of cute. It is the robot ostrich mount from World of Warcraft, which is sort of cute in that it looks like a bit like an animal, but it doesn't speak. It definitely does not love other robots. It just sort of hangs around looking absolutely brilliantly ridiculous as all this uh dramatic stuff's going on. Um, it was the gnome mount in World of Warcraft. I always... Love the gnomes because they're kind of the race that doesn't take things seriously where the, the rest of the game kind of does.
1: I want you to give me a five-second lore breakdown as to the origins of this robot ostrich. Uh,
2: gnomes make stuff. Good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's it's just so... You spend so long in the first few hours of... I, I don't know what it's like now, but classic World of Warcraft, just in the snow. It's taking forever to get anywhere, it's very lost feeling, it's wonderful. Um but you see fairly early on like the place where you're gonna get these ostriches from. There's like a little a little farm with four different coloured robot ostriches there with these big jet engines where their asses are basically sort of throbbing <laughs> away and you go and look at them to buy them and the cost of them is just unimaginable from where you are with like three acorns and a bandage in your pocket and that's it. But it just sticks in your head because you see them so early and they look so outlandish and roboty compared to just killing rats in the snow and when eventually you come back you know you know exactly where it is it's such a big moment such a wonderful moment then the speed of it the ridiculousness of it you know to be racing back over all this landscape you have to trudge along getting killed by wolves endless times and now you're just on a rocket-powered robot bird zooming through (laughs) it was oh it was wonderful it was so good it was just the right amount of robot as well it moves all clunky, like you know, like a mech, but it it doesn't speak. It doesn't talk about love. It's just a <laughs> robot.
0: I miss that sense that you of games. I know it's a little tangential, but I miss that sense of games where you could just go back to where you've been before, and you got to feel really powerful. That seems to be in like our open world world.
3: Yeah, everything
0: scales you... with us, or we don't scale anymore.
1: Yeah, because game designers tend not to li- like making you back to. Old places anymore.
0: But there's such a feeling of power when you, and as Alex says, when you just bound through a bit where before used to be terrifying, and now you go, I am the king of this world.
2: And the ostrich has a really good jump, you know, like the legs, those chicken legs fold down, it leaps up. All the mounts jump, but it really looks like a jump. And then you're back in this starting area where all these tiny gnomes are just, that was you 10 hours ago. Now you're just leaping over their heads like a horrible, horrible twat. But it's just, just like, look at me. I've got things you can only dream of, and it just so happens to be an absolutely ridiculous green robot ostrich with fire coming out of its ass. Happy, <laughs> happy days. Okay,
1: that's good. Good robots, guys. I'm liking the stuff you're bringing to the table. We we joked about how we would just talk about HK47 and Glados all all episodes, <laughs> but you you've really you've really gone above and beyond here. Do you want another one? Um. I was going to give you one should of mine have a go. but yes yeah.
0: you have a go
2: John does not like... understand this human feeling called love he could not empathize with Brendy's desire to talk about robots.
1: There's a single robot in the game the the hacking game quadrilateral cowboy uh who's standing in a hospital lobby as you're trying to break in and perform a heist on a terminally ill patient and he's just standing in the middle there he doesn't do anything or try to stop you or anything but he's just got a display on his chest and a single message on it reading, "Make a mo- make an honest moral inventory of yourself." <laughs> and I think that robot is probably one of my favorite robots. He- there's no other function to him. He's just there to remind you that you're you're doing a bad thing here, mm. but in a funny way.
2: <laughs> so it's a robot that causes you to have an existential crisis, essentially.
1: I mean, they are the best types of robots when you when you break it down here. To... Isn't that
2: that's basically the plot of Westworld as well, isn't it?
1: We we should oh we should we can have a tangent about Westworld if you like. I haven't seen
0: the new. The I'm new only series halfway yet. through the f- new episode.
2: I was saying I started watching it like an idiot at midnight last night and inevitably fell asleep halfway through. So I'm not sure what's real and what's dream at the moment.
0: <laughs> the first half was so boring it would be an excellent aid for going to sleep. Yeah.
1: Okay, so we can talk with some authority about
2: 50% of the
0: first <laughs> episode
2: of series two of Westworld. But some of it may turn into dream.
0: Ah, but ah, isn't that the point?
2: Yes.
1: Let's move on. We need more robots up in here. Um Bud! Go- Who's Bud?
0: Bud from off of Grow Home. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. The reason I like Bud so much, and I said this in my review many years ago. Was that he is so astoundingly vulnerable that he um when you first start to move him you realize he just can't walk and and you have to learn it's almost like you, it's you get to watch him learning to walk by learning how to walk him if that makes sense so he sort of he he, he gets this immediate you immediately have this very paternal relationship with him um uh, and you have this sense of uh, accomplishment of just being able to move which is you know, a, a given in most games. But in this game, you bond with Bud in just helping him just to learn to move around the world. And then he never gets good at walking, He but you learn to compensate for his staggering and his inability to come to a halt. And, and, and rather than being... So uh, here's a wild tangent. Here's what's wrong with all of uh, the Super Mario games. Um... <laughs> <laughs> all of them. <laughs> the, the, here's what's right is that uh, my my big I love I've been playing Mario Odyssey uh, a lot, but my big problem with the game and all the previous games in that series is that they, the Mario the difficulty is almost exclusively through how badly controlled Mario is. He's difficult to control by design in order to impose a false difficulty on those games. And that's something people always forget to criticise and why they never deserve 10 out of 10. It's cheating. But with Bud, that difficulty was really important Wait. and communicative <laughs> and relatable.
1: <laughs> You're just starting a fight and then quickly moving on. Well,
0: I'm right. There's no point. Everyone's going to go, oh yeah, he's right. There's no point in, in, in going in any further discussion, I, obviously. There's the bit where he slips on ice, but apart from that, he's pretty easy to control. No, he's not. He, he he doesn't. He doesn't stop on edges neatly. He's 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 very slippy and slidey.
1: Are we talking about Bud or Mario now?
0: Mario. But anyway, that's I'm right about this, and everyone's realizing that. Alec will realize it in a minute. It's got inertia,
2: but don't know.
0: Especially when you're jumping from platform to platform with uh, drops and stuff. The, the vast number of time, num- the vast amount of time you'll drop, not because you were bad at jumping from platform to platform, but but the game is deliberately imprecise in allowing you to neatly land.
2: Oh no, it's because I'm bad at jumping from platform to platform. I'm pretty confident in that.
0: <laughs> it's probably both, anyway. But with Bud, it's a much more, that 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 difficulty is very relational and and very important to how you experience the whole game. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And he's a lovely little robot who has a relationship with his mom robot too, which is quite cute.
2: And also, you can throw him off the mantle and smash him into bits. <laughs> you
0: can do that too.
2: Yes. Um, so when you're learning how to, is he like bad to
1: control at the beginning of the game?
0: It's about learning a very unique and specific way to control. So he's, he's, he is very much like if you've ever seen a a baby learning to walk, that sort of sense that they can go a few steps and then everything goes, their internal um, gyroscope goes wrong and they topple. And Bud (laughs) is very much like that. And you have to learn how to counter that errant gyroscopic movement of him.
1: It sounds a little bit like um, the old PlayStation Three game Terrarium. Did either of you play that?
2: No, I think I did.
1: Alec and John haven't played Terrarium because Terrarium does not exist. I'm thinking of the game Terover, a video for which you can find in the description. It was about controlling a robot uh, that was that had these little uh, tank tracks, basically, um, and you could oh. like an old RC car. You could flip your head from one side to the other, but it would reverse the direction that you were controlling him in, obviously. And it was just about getting across these horrible pitfalls and difficult things using a really difficult... Like, it was like co you know, intentionally difficult to control.
0: There you go. So that's where grow, up, grow Home and Grow Up were different in that the world was actually very simple. It wasn't full of tricks and traps and, and cruelty. It was just that Bud was, found the, the regular world difficult. I it was a very interesting approach, and I normally want to get very quickly frustrated with um, obfuscated controls, but not in this case. It was very meaningful. I liked it.
1: Alright, Alec, come on, you need to come up with one that's better than Bud. We've been escalating up these robots, and they just get better every time.
2: Uh, Nordum from Planescape Torment, who is a bit of an edge case for robots. Uh, he's not specifically identified as one, but he has got some sort of metal arms and... He's basically a television on like a robotic spider body. what's uh, his name? Nordon, which is a uh, modron the type of thing he is backwards and it's it's like a it's a section of Planescape that I think is optional. you have to really hunt it down. He's one of the rarer recruitable characters that you can completely miss uh He's a mechanoid thing he's he's the one robot that sort of escaped the sort of hive mind programming and he's all riddled with existential doubt about it and you know trying to work out where he's I keep calling him he he's, specifically it has no gender, so uh it's it's an it or a they. Um uh but that's not why I like him it. I I like <laughs> <laughs> uh he's also voiced by Homer Simpson, bizarrely. Um What? Uh but I like it because Planescape Torment is such a serious game. You know, it's a wonderful, uh, iconic game for all the right reasons, but it's it's very serious with the exception of more and with the exception of hey at 1.0 point, a walking talking television with the voice of homer simpson starts following you around and fighting you when you say the you.
0: voice of homer simpson because obviously dan castelletti does um uh the quacky character in toonstruck and is totally unrecognizable is he rec- is it recognizably homer i
2: uh, i did not know it despite having played Planescape torment ages ago until i went to check the spelling of stuff and Nordum today i genuinely hadn't hadn't realized until now
3: huh there you go.
2: Which seems weird, because like 1999 or whenever it was, would have been like peak Simpsons, second wave Simpsons mania, so I would have thought a big deal would have been made out of it. Maybe it was so nerdy for Dan <laughs> Castanlata to be in a PC role-playing game about the nature of mankind that he just kept it on the down low. Um, yeah, I can't remember a single line he says, or how it sounded, like Homer Simpson, if at all. I can just remember the absurdity of all these, you know, this... Collection of angsty never-do-wells in my party, this flaming psychotic mage, this fallen demon, all this stuff, and then there's, there's just a robot television following me around with a constant grin on its weird <laughs> claymation face, its bug eyes. Its, it looks like it was teleported in from a different game, more like something from a... Um, uh, I've forgotten their names, out. Like the Machinarium guys. Uh, Amanita? Uh, Amanita? Amanita, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's... I always like it... When you get something in a game that's very, very serious, that it sort of does self-awareness. And Norman Nordum, sorry, doesn't totally do that. But it's enough to go, all right, we know that we are just as dour as all hell here. So, you know, here's, here's your was... mad plasticine robot television. And just um... a brilliant secret as well, like semi-secret. The thing you have to really, really find. He's blown it. Yeah, sorry. You have to work so hard, It's a really annoying sort of maze thing you have to do and um and the payoff is this this robot television of all things as opposed to like the ultimate <laughs> accent. So there we go. Nordum from Planescape Torment.
0: Next.
1: I've got some. I've got some. This is a collective because they're they're bots the geth. as opposed to, to robots. No, not the geth. I did think of the geth whenever um you mentioned the hive mind thing, Alec. But they're just the Borg, so there's nothing oh, yeah. really that interesting in them. In them, you know, they're cool looking, and it's nice to see that the uh, one of them has got a starring role in Lost in Space on Netflix. But, <laughs> but uh, no, this is, I'm talking about the bots from Hack Mud, which is another hacking game. Uh, but this one's played entirely in like um, the command line interface. You would hate it, John, because there's programming involved. Uh, rubbish. Um, but. The, the, the bots are uh, not on the programming side. They are more like little story bots that are threaded into it. And when you go into these chat rooms and stuff, you'll find bots. And this is a world where humanity has been wiped out. You don't really know how or why or else they've left the planet and you don't know how or why. But all the bots in the world, the actual physical robots and the bots in the computers are just still doing what they're doing. They're just still getting on with their jobs. So there are robo vacuums there are fish tank bots, there are CT- CCTV bots, and they're all just getting on with whatever they were doing before. Like the fish tank bot gives you an update every now and again and just constantly telling you, oh, your octopus now has, your octopus now has an IQ of 157. <laughs> it's like escape probability has increased to 80% and all of this stuff. Um, one of the CCTV bots t- they go into chat rooms and they talk to each other as if they're just like hanging out and they- they're saying like this car has been here for 50 years and I'm-, I'm sure there's something suspicious going on and the others are saying it's probably fine it's probably just forgotten about it <laughs> um, I really really like them I just think they add a lot of little bits of colour and humour to a world that's essentially looking at a black screen with bright neon green letters on top um so they're mine they're my final bot final good bot got plenty of bad bots
0: i've got another good bot for you go on it's a bit more obvious but the less obvious from the publisher uh dog from off of half-life oh yeah he's a good he's a good bot they're all good bots and here's what i'm gonna say for dog that i think is his the masterstroke is how incredibly underused he is yeah, he's not overdone. No, they could have gone crazy with dog because he is so obviously so immediately likable and, and a mascot. Yeah, useful, but they don't. He's really spe- They use him really sparely, and I think it's brilliant that they do because you don't ever get sick of him. It's like, oh, dog's back, woohoo! And it's like a lovely moment each time you see him. They
2: used him loads in in episode three, didn't you? Didn't you play that? <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: got it on my uh, wish list. <laughs> Um. Yeah, a vote for dog
1: is a a good vote. Any more? Uh,
0: I've
2: got a two-in-one. Uh, a two, which is the same robot but in different games, and it's the Sectorpod from XCOM and XCOM. Uh, I hate that robot. <laughs> you hate it because it's hard to fight. Because or... it's hard. Yeah. That's why I like it. I, whenever I'm, in the late game of XCOM, as in like the Praxis. XCOM when it starts to get a bit dreary and you're seeing the same stuff again and again you've got a bit complacent the sector pod is always a oh holy god moment you know both it's appearance yeah. it's massive it's got that wonderful stand up thing where it, it, you know it will burst through a roof it will target you with instakill stuff and it's just like alright enough with these little squishy things here's an enormous transformer that's going to just f*** you over massively I like the threat escalation of it but I also really like the, uh, the sector pod from Julian Gollops, XCOM. I'm going to send a picture to the Skype room. We'll have to include it in the post somewhere. But I like it because it looks like a giant walking penis covered in smaller weapon firing penises, which is just a wonderful thing to have in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> it is very flashy looking, isn't it? Yeah, and then if you look at the all the missiles and other guns around, it's just we've, we've put more penises on it, you know, just in case that weren't enough. I have no idea if this was the thinking of the time, but, you know, it ties into the sort of 90s comic design, you know, over design, too many weapons, too many pouches, so much... Too many willies. Phallic imagery, whether conscious or not. Again, XCOM, the original XCOM, is such a weird grab bag of stuff, but, you know, it will it will go full-on into horror, full-on into superheroics, and then, oh, and now here's our almost ultimate baddie. It's a giant penis on legs, covered in small penises.
3: <laughs>
0: I want to okay. add Amber from Project Eden into the list too, but I don't really feel like I remember it well enough.
1: Weird, <laughs> weird, 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 weird. Project Eden isn't that four-person game you yeah. switch between. Oh, I hate that. That's Lost Vikings, but...
0: I quite liked Project but Eden. I don't think I got very far with it, but I quite liked it. And Amber was a good character.
1: I think I played that very young and I did not
0: understand it at all. It's the one licensed squeenix have yet to to, to 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 milk.
2: I'm not sure enough people remember it really to... Get very far with milking it.
0: True. Two thousand one. Two thousand one.
1: Do we have a have you played about it?
3: Ooh,
0: I might
1: have done I'm one. I'm fairly certain Alec did one. Yeah. We can we can link to that.
0: It's
2: like the time is right for something like it though, because we've had um, Brothers and then No Way Out and whatever it was. Even Boy, a little bit has that kind of <laughs> t- two characters controlled by by one person thing. And I feel like you know maybe we're gearing up to do a. Four characters controlled by one person, kind of action game again. It was
0: cool, you know. Alec wrote about it on the fifteenth of December, two thousand sixteen, in which he said, "The Lost Vikings is a cyberpunk shooter." There we go. There you go.
1: Um, okay, let's have some bad bots.
0: There aren't any.
1: There are. There are some bad bots. I mean,
0: there are so many.
2: <laughs> have any of you played Bot Colony?
0: No, I
2: have not. But I know that I know that it has been uh, a iconic event in the professional life of Brendan Caldwell. Bot Colony is a
1: game about uh, robots being able to understand your voice. So you speak into a microphone and give them voice instructions and they will carry out your voice instructions or answer your questions. Um, The voice recognition in it is not entirely accurate.
3: Um,
2: (laughs) You're being
1: very polite. uh, Well, there's there's a thing where you have to do, you have to talk into the computer, basically, into this program for a while, like reading out in your own voice um, this huge story and trying to get it to recognize the words as you say them. So to make up for the fact that I have an accent and I say 1988 like that, <laughs> then, you know, this machine needs to understand that that's what's happening. So you do all this, and then you go in and you think, okay, the robot must have some grasp of what I'm saying now. And then you say, you're trying to ask it, who lives in this house? And it just comes out with, you see the words as you've spoken them appear, but it's just random words (laughs) that you can see maybe why it's chosen these, uh, and why it thinks you might have said this. But
2: it doesn't make sense and it's not it, it just doesn't work i'm teaching my kid to read and write at the moment it's, it's a lot like this you know she will attempt to write any word but the sort of garbled phonetic sounds that end up on paper you know every word with 20 syllables and no vowels in. except that your child has kept the capacity for
1: logic in a way that not maybe not logic is the is the wrong word but has the capacity for understanding and context Um, Whereas this robot will just try to understand every word individually and then
2: all together in some weird way. Um, Have you tried talking to them in the voice of Kratos from God of War? (laughs) Bot.
1: Bot. Um, We we
2: need to make that feature, don't we? We need to hire the voice of that guy to play Bot Colony on on camera. (laughs) Anytime
1: I did speak in a posher um bbc accent it picked up more of the words i was saying but it still didn't get a lot right um and i think that that was a very funny bot and a very bad bot gave you a good
2: time and a bad time yes all at the same time
0: give us a bad bot alec
2: uh it's sort of a a bit bad, and sort of more of a category, which is you know you know I, an almost forty year old man have a sustained love of transformers for my sins, <laughs> uh, and I remain deeply frustrated by pretty much every transformers game we've ever had, and the reason for that is that they're never interested in transforming it's It's either it's God help us, it's a meter, like a transformer meter that runs out, you can only recharge every so often. Or you just hold a button, it happens instantly, and there's there's nothing done with the concept of you know, a metal body that can that can change form, and I feel like there's a missed opportunity there both in how it's done, like if there was a non-tedious way to make it a little control puzzle every time you change to put the arms in the right place as you would if you were changing one of the toys, but also the concept of upgrading them instead of just, oh, it's a bigger gun, like you actually change huge parts of its chassis so it can turn into a completely different vehicle or plane or death tank or whatever um and of course transformers these days is defined by movies in which lots of things explode and women wear extremely small shorts so there is no interest in making a relatively complicated cerebral even simply puzzly transformers game and i just think it's it's a shame it's robots that can turn into other things feels like extremely rich territory to um to make something super cool out of, but it is never going to happen, or at least not with an official license slapped onto it.
0: What if instead the robots just had really uh, tacky racial stereotypes? Yeah, yeah, that's a concept they could use. Yeah, I don't think they should. <laughs> <laughs> I tried watching all the Transformers films for a series of um supporter posts on rps and i gave up after the i just couldn't bring myself to finish the third one let alone watch the four
3: yeah I'm the there was a moment
0: one. of just utter soulless despondency i just went no no this isn't this isn't worth it even for writing about how about how horrible they are they are horrible racist tedious awful films and as the worst thing about them is as alex said about the games the transforming because they don't satisfactorily transform they transform on such a ludicrously complex level that you can't follow it with your eyes and so there's no pleasure of watching them change from robot to car
2: yeah then they was it the most recent one or the one before i i, I lost track and stopped watching as well but they sort of gave up on transforming Went look they they just turn into like a cloud of dots it's you know it's <laughs> nano or something, and then those cloud of dots just becomes a car, and you know there's no there's oh, no part no. switching or anything. It's just like that's cool, right? No, that's just did they
0: all return to th- that's the Transformers just a home screen world? filter. I think I think the Transformers' home world is called Optimus Prime, if I'm right. And oh, <laughs> John,
3: <laughs>
0: did they all return there for an upgrade? Uh,
2: no, I don't think. Think, oh, They're maybe. just connected to some Wi-Fi.
0: What is it really called? I, can't, I genuinely can't remember what it's really called.
2: Cybertron.
0: Cybertron. It's Cybertron Boy. Boy? <laughs> um, here's a bad bot for you. Yeah, go on. Any more bad bots are always welcome. James Pond Robocod.
2: <laughs> Get over it. It's been 30 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was rubbish.
1: James Pond. I remember seeing adverts for James Pond, but not... Actually, understanding what it was—that's
0: because you would have been an, a fetus.
1: Is it Robocarp? No, they didn't. Robocod. Robocod. Okay, they didn't even get that joke right. <laughs> um, uh, okay, all right. We're going to talk about some more robots, and they definitely are robots now, um, because we're going to talk about what we've been playing.
2: Robots then. Of course
0: they are. Giant Stompy Ro giant stompy robots. If you look up mech in the dictionary, it just says giant stompy robots.
1: You've been playing you've been playing Battle Tech.
0: Do I have to talk about this? Do I have to? Oh. Battle Drek, I call it.
1: I think you sh- I think you should, because the we posted our review. I say we posted our review. Alec posted his review on Of <laughs> which the rest
2: of you disavowal.
1: <laughs> um
2: <clears throat> and you pointed out some of the flaws well yeah I mean I I, I don't know if I convey this as well as I could have done but essentially I think it's a good game just drowning in bad UX I guess you'd call it tell, tell us tell us like give us a like a brief summary of what it is for anyone who doesn't know what battletech is all about so battletech is a 80s or is it 90s I think it's 80s tabletop game about Giant robot suits, not robots, robot suits piloted by actual humans inside. They're robots,
0: piloted by robots.
2: <laughs> They're robot trousers, you know, fighting it out and it's, it's all very sort of feudal in its, in its plotting and it was very much about locational damage and positioning and tons and tons of weapons firing in sequence and knocking whole arms off and all that kind of stuff, the kind of stuff you want from a robot game. But uh, as a tabletop game, it was very, very slow-paced, more wargamey than what we might now think of as turn-based in the light of stuff like XCOM, which is pretty fast, let alone something like Into the Breach. And so the the new game, it's made by Harebrained Schemes, the uh, creators of Shadowrun Returns, uh, one of whom was the co-creator of Battletech, and they finally, after 30 years, made the first kind of relatively somewhat faithful Uh, adaptation of Battletech as a video game we've had MechWarrior which is from the same universe but they've been mostly shooters and then MechCommander was real-time tactics or strategy whichever one you want to call it so Battletech is uh, for the first time in a long time maybe ever we've got got it as a turn-based strategy game Um, and it's thrilling a lot of people, particularly people who played Battletech back in the day I struggled with it not because of what it was, but because it's extremely slow, um and quite drab as well, like uh your the the environments are they feel a bit off the shelf, your robots don't really have an effect on them. You know, you can walk through a forest and all the trees just wobble a bit. Um, there aren't footprints, it's not that much to smash. But everything happens extremely slowly, even if you turn off like the glam cam over the shoulder shots in, in Options and I've I've struggled with that because I want to be making stuff happen, working out if my plan is going to work, not waiting and watching to see what the consequences of it are. I I just want to know. Maybe I'm spoiled by Into the Breach. Maybe I'm just a parent, or maybe what... the game is far too slow.
1: Yeah, this is why I was thinking is that if you've played something like XCOM and then you've played Into the Breach, which is just the the most tightly mirrored piece of strategy
2: but also um, there there are get, almost no animations in into the bridge so my time is never wasted i'm always straight into right what are you going to do next And you know none of my time is spent watching all of it is spent planning and reacting in it
1: uh, so are... when you've played those then
2: battlemech becomes battle i tech. guess sorry battletech it's really ponderous and a lot of people like that, a lot of people expected that. I struggle with it. Maybe I just don't want animations in games at all anymore. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's who I am.
0: All games I, must be I, I just want to click
2: and for the thing to happen. You get a lot of things like not all of them, but quite a few of the weapons fire in sequence rather than all at once, so your laser beams will go out and then your rockets will go out and the rockets fire very you know, they might fire thirty rockets, this this, this one unit. It fires a volley of thirty rockets. You see them all go over and it looks cool but you know 20th time of watching this it takes several seconds just to find out if it's hit what damage it's done and the nature of the game is that for quite a lot of the time the damage is very insignificant you've got to keep on firing as much as you can at like the one side of an enemy mech until you end up exposing its innards and then you can you can knock it down or or blow off parts so there's just a lot of watching for that to happen and Some people have said they're using all that time to plan. I've generally found that I already know what my plan is when I start doing this, so I'm frustrated that I have to wait all this time to enact the next bit of the plan. As a tactical game, though, apart
1: from the animation if the animations were all suddenly gone and you were just moving static toys around a field. uh, Would it feel good, though?
2: Yeah, I'd love it. I mean, I still like it. My review came off as very negative, and it is because it's voiced from a position of frustration that I feel like something really good is being kept just out of reach from me with pointless frustrations um, I think if it was just really snappy and zippy I'll be I'll be ever so happy um, but also I feel like if it's gonna be that ponderous and want to show everything happening at, uh, not extreme detail but you know it wants to show you all the mechie parts in action, it wants to see everything swiveling and stomping and the rocket's arcing across the sky. And if that looked amazing and varied, then I think it would get away with it. But it it all looks a bit drab and a little bit, especially the environment's a bit off the shelf, as I say. So it's not, I don't find it exciting enough to see, to compensate for the, the time involved. Uh, but a lot of people are loving it, which is great. You know, this was, maybe they went in with, with, with different expectations. Maybe they're, just not an exhausted parent, or maybe just the fact that it's battletech makes them forgive a bunch of stuff that someone who doesn't have battle tech in his blood, like me Well
0: exactly. Maybe they're just idiots.
2: I don't think so.
1: John, no, John it's, again. It's shouting possible. at our listeners. I'm not saying
0: audience. that our listeners our listeners who are idiots, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about um No, they're a, the same thing like I've always said, the uh, you can't you can't review adventure games through adventure game addicts because they don't care. And if people are just invested in already liking this game, it doesn't matter, it could, it could just have a fist that comes out the screen and punches them, and they go, oh, I love how it punches me in the face. So authentic.
2: There's another thing here, which is that, you know, XCOM, for Axis' XCOM, comes up a lot in discussion of Battletech. And that's a sore point for a lot of people, because XCOM, mm. for better or worse, a bit of both, I'd say, has dragged turn-based strategy off in a more sort of glitzy actiony certainly very very fast direction and that isn't what everyone wanted they there's the sort of 90s kind of the kind of stuff that tim stone writes about to some extent but also strategy turn-based strategy games as well, which are more ponderous and thoughtful and less interested in looking you know like an action blockbuster um with superhero powers everywhere you know the, the basics of combat in battle tech, in Battletech are not there aren't really any extreme actions you can do apart from if you chipped and chipped away, or, you know, one side of the armor, and you knock the thing down, then you get yeah, to do the critical hits on the head or jump into its stomach or whatever. But when you say that, as like you, you can have a turn-based strategy game
1: that's ponderous and thoughtful, but still gets rid of the small frustrating
2: things that slow it down in the bits in between. You absolutely, and that that's, making a that's turn what I like want doing it. a thing. I don't want it to I, be. Just XCOM with a different skin. I want it to be a bit like those '90s things, but with just the the dead time taken away. None of my time wasted. I just can't. I can't handle my time being wasted anymore. Uh, which is why I skip almost every cutscene I can find in, in in any game.
0: That's shocking. That's unacceptable. There, <laughs> I there. I'm crossing. Unless
2: I'm really into it, but you can work out pretty quickly. Like, am I going to be invested in this story? No. Right. Click. <laughs>
1: I will do that for certain games. Far Cry 5, I started skipping the story very, very quickly.
0: Far Cry 5 is the first game I have ever skipped cutscenes on in my wow. whole life. There you go. There you go. Damning. They are that bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: we've but... already spoken about that in previous episodes. You can't. We can't return to Far Cry 5. There, there are no 5, robots in Far, Far Cry 5.
2: Gone. Yeah. So I, th- I think and hope there will be some more options added in Battletech updates i mean i'm sure they <laughs> the last thing the developers are going to do is listen to me as like the only negative review no they should reviews. oh
0: my goodness can i just scream this from the mountains? May- maybe developers. maybe listen. they should Yes, maybe they should, it
2: doesn't mean they will.
0: (laughs) No, 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 so just, you know, obviously don't go, you know, you go to Metacritic and look at the bottom score it's written by some angry little twerp who doesn't understand or has just gone, you know, ignore that. Hello! But if someone, no, no, no! (laughs) But if someone's written a constructive and reasoned review that that is negative, oh my goodness, there's so much to learn from that because you can expand your, oh, just, everyone just learn to listen to well-reasoned criticism.
2: I I hope they introduce a high-speed mode or Far less likely they they amp up the especially the environmental stuff. So it's just it's just more fun watching these same things happen slowly again and again and again. Um, But I don't want to see the same handful of quite slow animations on the same sort of brown or grey backgrounds again and again. But I'm definitely interested in going back to it. You know, I'll be very curious to see what the first couple of patches do. just as
0: yeah. a big middle finger sticking up, saying, F you, Alec Mir, right at the beginning.
1: <laughs> uh, let's see. We've we've been playing other things. Um, John.
0: Well, funnily enough, my number one complaint with what I've been playing is pretty much the same, which is um, uh, The Swords of Ditto, which is obviously a very different game. It does feature robots in some of the enemies, but that's about it. So it's a game about being the chosen one, selected... Uh, of all humanity, or indeed other animals, um, to fight the evil witch Mormo and stop her from ruling over the land for a hundred years. Skip, and then...
2: skip.
1: <laughs> it's kind of a top-down action RPG yeah. Zelda. But the thing, reason
0: the reason I explain all this is because immediately at the beginning, at the beginning of the game, you get killed. So you're killed in a cutscene, and so she does rule for a hundred years. And then a hundred years later, you play another character. And every time you die, she gets to rule for another hundred years. And then you you start again. Um, And it's loads of so, it's no point in retracing my whole review here, but there's, there's so many brilliant ideas in it and they don't quite come together into a brilliant game. They come together in a quite good game, um, which could be a lot better if it, if it, uh, it just sort of made itself a little bit more coherent yeah, the the restarting factor is you know it's very familiar from roguelites but um there's no it's, it's not until you get hours into the game that there's there any sense of anything tactical about that about being able to passing on to later generations but the whole game is structured around needing to be able to do that so you have these god awful opening hours of just feeling like you are you can't reach the game that's there to play and it's harder than it should be at the beginning than it is later on um But the thing that drove me most crazy about it is every time you die, instead of just, you know, pressing the button and pressing enter and starting again, talking of which I've been playing Track Mania with my my boy recently. Oh my goodness, every game should be able to restart that quickly. Um, This Swords of Ditto desperately needs that to be able to just start a new life immediately. But instead, you have to wake up in your your new character's bed, listen to the uh, magic floating um, uh, dung beetle, as it is, Uh, tell you your destiny yet again using the exact same script as every single time and then painstakingly laboriously walk your character who can't even roll at this point let alone uh, run anywhere walk through uh, a couple of long screens before you can find the sword then you pick up the sword and there's another thing and the bung dung beetle talks to you some more and then there's this bizarre like five second pause that you start to hate with a burning passion before it sticks the sword up in the air and changes his costume and then there's more talking and then you get to play again and that's awful an awful thing to do in a roguelike to where you're you know you're going to have to keep going through that again and again and again
1: when you say that it's like you die and every 100 years passes does the is the world different every time
0: yeah so it, it creates a random different new layout so similar tiles so there'll be there's so much celebrated about this game and the the randomness is is absolutely exquisite so the town will look different the main town will look different each time you go to it the graveyard where you pick up the sword is differently laid out the whole way that the world tiles together is rearranged there'll be completely unique strange little secrets to find in each version um and then even the dungeons uh seem to be rolled up i don't know if they're procedural or if he's just created 85 million different tiles for dungeons but it, it's I've, I've got a sneaky suspicion it's procedurally generating its puzzles which is incredible um because they have had all but one be really good um there's so many brilliant things in there and so each generation the the idea that a hundred years has passed makes some sense in that the world is different and the graphics start to degrade the farther you get into the game, which is which is the more times you fail, which is really interesting.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Um, there's so, like I say, just just packed with brilliant idea after brilliant idea and it looks completely gorgeous and it's really fun to play. The combat is very familiar, uh, stab and roll ty- style uh, hack and slash, but really good and, and zippy and interesting and you get loads of extra weapons and each time you play, your quests will be to find, there's a bunch of different toys they're called. And each time you play, the missions will be slightly different. And you might be tasked with getting the drone or you might be tasked with getting the um, the throwing LP vinyl disc or whatever. And then you get a different dungeon to use that particular tool. And so, you know, it's just constantly brilliant ideas. But yeah, it's, it really punishes you for failure with this laboriously awful opening um, sequence. And then and and just makes the game the game is. Artificially hard at the start because it forgets to show you all its cool stuff straight away. And um Oh, and you can't pick up coins when they when they fall out the grass. It's very zelderish and that you fall uh, back at the grass and you can't pick it up until it's finished its little bouncing animation. And that's just the most doesn't sound like a big deal until you actually play the game and then it's the biggest deal there is. So what what we've
1: um discovered from discussing both of your the things that you've been playing is that you both hit small things continually get in the way and
2: stop you from playing the game
0: i don't understand people who don't find those things annoying
2: john mentioned about four hours ago as he was talking about the the sword of ditto <laughs> that there's a five second pause every before the character holds the the sword up or something and honest to god my Blood temperature dropped about five degrees (laughs) here. The thought of that is just, no!
0: And that is so so interesting. I think everyone who plays a lot of games can identify with this. This idea that, you know, five seconds out of context. It's like, shut up, so what? Five seconds, get a grip. But everyone knows when it's a game and you're just sat there and you're just waiting to do... You're like, oh, crap, I failed, I need to start again. You've just lost all your progress. You're feeling really gutted and maybe even angry with the game or angry with yourself. And then that five seconds just becomes... Oh, you just start to boil at it.
2: It's it's into the breach is it's it's ruined everything, you know, it knows how to cut out every possible piece of dead time without feeling like it's on bizarre fast forward. Even when you do like the turn reset, it's just like a quick shimmer and then everything's back in place. It's so so prompt. It just gets it so much. Um and uh, I noticed when that was mentioned in comments. <laughs> happy happy comments on the BattleTech review that a lot of people who love Battletech were very, very down on Into the Breach, that it's clearly seen as some sort of hand grenade into a into a <laughs> world of tactical purity. We dine
1: on it as in they didn't like Into the Breach? Yeah, yeah, that it's... How can you not like Into the Breach?
0: <laughs> well, presumably because it's an anathema to what they want the genre to be.
1: Yes. I guess so, yeah. I guess if it's this little chess puzzle of a game, then it's not a big sprawling countryside in which
2: you can stomp around and, and Yeah. I mean for me I think the key is as as well as the speed stuff is that I just wanna feel like every decision matters. you get this in not all of it, but quite a lot of XCOM turns too. Like you know if you bungle this one your guys or one of your guys is probably gonna die. Whereas in Battletech that it, it's there's a lot of just standard war of attrition shots before you get to that point and I just I don't find that interesting in its own right. I can see how there is satisfaction to you have to slowly work towards a plan as opposed to you just do it, but life's too short. Cool. Um I've been
1: playing Nino Kuni2, which is a JRPG about being a small boy king with cat ears. Boy. Sorry. <laughs>
2: I I don't know if JRPGs are either of your bag. No. I imagine there's a lot of uh, five second pauses in it. <laughs> there's, there's quite a lot of things that would frustrate you, maybe.
0: My favorite thing about JRPGs, and it leaks over to lots of Nintendo RPGs that I love, is the uh, waiting for the text box to pop up so someone can say ellipsis.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there's
1: uh, I don't think there has been any ellipsis this is ellipsis ellipses. In this um in this game so far there you go um but there's been quite a lot of fun uh, hokey dialogue and stuff like that my favorite thing about it is that and I did a supporter post about this which you can see if you subscribe to us um is that there's a thing called Leaf Book which is basically a Facebook for this fantasy fairy tale world um but everybody on it is so civil and nice to each <laughs> other even when they're be- saying things that like even when they're being nasty.
2: They're being nasty in a really polite way. It's like Twitter in 2007. It's Just you and 14 friends.
1: It's so odd. It was so odd. Um, but it, I, I really, really love it. And I wish that all of the people who comment on Leafbook could be transplanted onto real-world social media <laughs> so that they could make it a nicer place. Um, because it just sounds like a child mimicking what it thinks Facebook is. Uh, uh, through a toy but uh, anyway it's just this silly game about being a king and trying to build a kingdom um, at one point you make friends with a leaf man who has got into a gambling debt uh, lost the entire forest that he owns you have to go and talk to a pug who runs a city be- whose laws are based entirely on gambling and rolls of the dice for example, if they have a criminal trial, they roll the dice to see if someone's guilty or not.
3: <laughs>
1: um, you go to all these places and stuff like this, but uh, you eventually get the man free of his debt, the leaf man, the old leaf man who's called Nile. And uh, you say to him, Okay, you want to come to our kingdom? And he says, Yes, I'll be your finance minister. <laughs> and everyone in the group just accepts this and goes, Good, yes, no one can pinch a penny like you. And you're like, No, he gambled away his entire (laughs) forest. Why are we giving the finances to this man? But it's just completely blown over and forgotten about I think that's why I'm liking it. Just for the moments of... Just for the ludicrous moments. Um, And also because I'm weak and I like to hit things over and over again and watch (laughs) my numbers go up. Um, That's all. That's all from me. (laughs) Goodbye! (laughs) Uh... Shall we see what our readers have said about robots? Yeah.
2: (laughs) You said that really?
1: I can't
0: wait to see what they've said.
2: Yeah, I meant, have we got anything to say in response, or are we just going to list their robots? That's
0: fine. We're just going to tell them how they're wrong. Oh, this person likes the machinarian ones. Oh,
1: Matt. (laughs) Matt Hayek, yeah, says the machinarian ones. They're so cute. The devs managed to convey so much emotion with no dialogue and little animation. So a lot of people like
2: machinarium. machinarium. Um, Scooby Doofus says, does GLaDOS count as a robot? I'm going to say no and give no reason whatsoever for
0: that. GLaDOS. I agree with Brendan in this matter. (laughs) GLaDOS. That's not how you say it. GLaDOS.
3: GLaDOS,
2: sorry. Yeah. I'm reading phonetically, like a robot in Bot Colony. (laughs) I do know it's GLaDOS. I just haven't actually said that name aloud for about 12 years by this point. Dom Helfridge says, uh, The whole of
1: the Talos principle.
0: Ooh, good call.
1: And also 2B and 9S from Nier Automata. And Engels? Is there a robot called Engels in Nier Automata?
2: I do not know.
1: I guess so. I guess so. Uh, Who else? Legion in Mass Effect 3 was a highlight of the whole series. Fantastic, says Stoic Romance.
2: I just felt like they were more AIs than they were robots. I guess I'd prefer to think of my robots as generally not as, you know, not having human-like intelligence. But maybe I'm just being racist.
0: So would you actually discount HK-47 from your list?
2: No, I wouldn't discount it, but...
3: Mm. uh,
2: you know, he is a robot and he's happy with that. He is a robot built for war. That's his function. He follows his programming, he's pretty chill with it. The Geth, it's more about we are an advanced form of intelligence who are struggling to find our place in the universe. They are robots, obviously, but it just it feels like it's a slightly different concept for me. An interesting concept, obviously.
0: Pal eighteen from Anacronox says Gaza N, who is clearly just Tony Ellis using a suit. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I remember Pal 18. I can't remember much of what he said, but he's a good time. Because he's, yeah, he was like a kid's... To- yeah. Oh, it says here, yeah. Squeaky voice children's toy refitted as a combat droid. Yeah, he's, you know, a touch of the HK-47 to it. Whammy Rule
1: says Dr. Samuel Hayden from Doom it has the sexiest robot
2: voice. Mm. I've not heard that voice or played Doom, so... Possibly they're the only person for whom that character from Doom has made any impression whatsoever, to be
3: honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We've got somebody pal- else. Sorry, go on. Sorry, go on.
0: I was going to say, the PAL-18 uh, reminds me, of course, of Wonkers from Dreamfall. Everyone shouldn't forget Wonkers. He's a good gaming robot. None of you have played Dreamfall, you don't understand, but he's great. He is a, he's the toy that Zoe Castillo has, and he's a robot toy, and he is just the most Calming character who's ever been written in all of gaming. Mike Cowley
1: says, My robot choices are from Fallout New Vegas. I would kill Yes Man, marry EDE, and screw Victor. So if you've played Fallout New Vegas, that will mean something to you.
0: Rock Paper Shotgun said that game wasn't very good, so I didn't bother with it.
2: That was the Battletech review of its day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to link to that Well they find a link to that
1: in the description of Quinton Smith's review of Fallout New Vegas good um, and you can reel against it if you like or yeah just go back and comment on it just... <laughs> i love it if we started getting comments on that again
0: I'm sure Quinton goes back and checks the comments every couple of months <laughs> um,
2: um, I'm not going to name and shame this person but their, their comment ends with and who doesn't love Claptrap Let's just, oh. leave that. Let's just leave that hanging there for a minute. We don't need to say anything. We'll just let them uh, be hoisted by their own petard there. Um, David Brendish also says, I really did
1: not enjoy Claptrap after the first Borderlands, which means that you liked him for the first one.
0: <laughs> it was an interesting life choice.
1: Um, I haven't played enough of Borderlands to really know what Claptrap's like. He is the worst. He sure says a lot of things really quickly.
0: He's wacky.
1: Tom Jensen says the English country robots from Sir You Are Being Hunted will always strike terror into my fleshy heart. Disclaimer. <laughs> is, um... Jim Rossigdall, head of the studio that makes it, knows Alex's birthday. <laughs> he does not. He didn't send me a
2: message at all
1: on my birthday. Oh, right. We're not including his robots then. Uh, Jens Hag says Peabody and Atlas from Portal 2, oh, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're the. Multiplayer ones, aren't they? Yeah. They're the happy robots. Everybody says HK47.
0: No one says <laughs> Wheatley, which I'm in- interested and quite glad about.
1: Yeah, because I feel like there's a lot of Portal 2, which is trying very hard to live up to Portal 1. Mm. And trying too hard.
0: I love loads about Portal 2, but I'm not not a Wheatley fan.
1: No. I quite like Wheatley. It's like hit and miss, though, because there's so
2: much of him. I didn't like his arc, as it were, but I I found him funny in the first few hours of the game.
0: I think finding Stephen Merchant inherently annoying was probably my downfall.
2: I quite like her, old Stevie.
1: Uh, Anyway, um, unless there's any more that you guys like the look of in terms of these readers.
2: Someone says, hands down the robot in Beneath the Steel Sky, which I can't remember, but I feel like almost certainly the robot in Beneath the Steel Sky would have looked amazing. Um, cool, right, we're going to wrap
1: up our, our robo-chat here uh, thank you for listening if you liked us press the liking button uh, tell your just friends outside, about us
0: outside press the liking button <laughs>
1: uh, you can email us with suggestions for themes or topics or questions uh, podcast at rockpapershotgun.com uh, I also want to point out just before we go that we had a special podcast go up a 10 minute short podcast uh, went up yesterday covering the games that we saw at EGX Raised um Astra Johnson did a special really brief overview of that show that talks about really weird games like uh Disco Elysium uh Fogs which is the two player two players controlling one sausage dog game and other weird things like Wobble Garden which is a game that you control by Playing with um wobbly door stopper springs, very odd stuff. Um, but it's only ten minutes long. It's a good lesson, and you should listen to it. Uh, I'll put a link to that as well. Uh, but that's it. Yeah, we are we are done for now. Unless you have any last robot thoughts, either of you. I was right about battle deck.
0: He <laughs> probably was. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Boy. Boy.
1: <laughs> boy. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's
3: it.